4: Welcome back to Old Millennials, a deep dive on shallow topics from the 90s and 2000s. I am one of your hosts, Emily Beijing. And I
3: am your other host, Margot Poupard.
4: Today is a very exciting day because we have a very special guest joining us. The delightful Kaylee Quick is here to talk with us about Manic Pixie
3: Dream Girls. Welcome, Kaylee. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for cool. being here, Kaylee. We kind of assumed. Because your podcast is called Manic Pixie Dream Pod, that you would be perfect for a Manic Pixie Dream Girl episode. I know absolutely nothing about Manic Pixie Dream Girls. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Surprise! Just, uh, just was born one.
3: <laughs> yeah, you just get the vibe, right? You just, uh,
5: I get and I give the vibe. <laughs> <laughs>
4: so before we go into it, I want to give a little info about you, Kaylee. You're a comedian, writer, actor, musician. A tarot and astrologer, and now a podcaster who used to be a shapewear spokeswoman, which I find fascinating, but now <laughs> just poses in your underwears for fun, which I try to do myself.
5: Hell yeah, we should <laughs> all be posing in our underwear. Per uh, uh, what's her what's her name from uh, Schitt's Creek? We should just all be taking photo photos of ourselves right now. Um, I definitely
3: there's a Vanderpump rules is filled with terrible people whose advice I would never take seriously mm -hmm. but Stassi who does suck but makes a good point every now and again said that like you should always take pictures of yourself like every year because you don't know when you're gonna like the turn's gonna happen you know and so like every year could be your hottest year and you just don't know (laughs) oh
5: yeah I mean it's weird I feel like I uh had like a hot couple years in my 20s and then not and then now I'm in my 30s and I'm like oh no I'm like this is probably my peak (laughs) this might be it but I might have a couple hot years in my 40s who knows
1: stay tuned
4: (laughs) I am I'm excited for my 40s thanks to Real Housewives franchises Nancy Myers movies and various other things like I'm I'm ready (laughs) I am ready. You know, I've got that shopping cart full of cashmere ready to
3: check out at any given moment. And Eileen this-
5: Fisher. There oh, me. yeah.
3: This is Ooh. why you should always have like an age diverse group of friends, because like knowing a lot of women in their 40s, I feel like I've absorbed a lot, of, a lot of their great like dermatologist tips. And so, you know, I put sunscreen on my ears. I put lotion all over my chest and neck so I can look as good as them by yes. like, when I get there. And it's so nice to have someone kind of like tell you what to do. Yeah, ahead of time. It's like, oh my god, where we was this earlier? Make,
5: right, we should be making friends with our elders, mm-hmm. always, always. You hear that, Gen Z? <laughs> <laughs> We're all yeah. Gen Z friends.
4: Well, I, I think that's a perfect segue because, uh, genuine, generally couple of exceptions but generally the the trope that we're talking about today centers around mainly teenage 20-somethings i think one of the exceptions i can think of that sometimes people call a fringe manic pixie dream girl is mod of
5: harold and and (laughs) mod you know i would even argue i've been watching i've been watching a lot of white lotus and like coolidge is like an elder manic pixie dream girl sure i mean specifically specifically photo shoot of like her favorite movie. And she's like, come on, let's have a whimsical day on a Vespa. I would say specifically
3: Tanya is a manic pixie girl, for sure. Because she also has that like I feel like some of them, like, you have to be a socialite to be this, like, whimsical and free, right? Like, you have to have some family money somewhere to feel this liberated and Mm -hmm. to be this, like, free spirit that roams around. And in that sense, yes, I think Tanya is definitely a Manic Pixie Dream Girl. But I love the mod. Like, that's so fucking funny. Because... Yeah, wouldn't it? I feel like it's not completely out of line if Natalie Portman's character in Garden State decided to prank Zach Braff's character by pretending to hang herself. You know what I mean? Like, yes, it seems within <laughs> the realm of possibility. Oh my God! Well,
5: if in that case, I mean, I guess the guy from The Stars Born is going to make a dream. Girl. Well,
3: <laughs> all right, Charlie <regardless laughs> <of> Cooper. Charlie <laughs>
5: Cooper. How come I can't remember his any characters' names? I just remember actors' names.
4: I mean, I it's I forget them half the time as well. I what's interesting, Margot. I'm glad you brought up the money component of the Max, Manic Pixie Dream Girl because it is very much like I think of um, peak indie sleaze, peak 2000s. You know, Brooklyn hipster vibes. It, yes. it coincides with a lot of those movies that really define the Manic Pixie Green Dream Girl trope. And it's a lot of trust fund babies who are in this indie sleaze era who are, you know, making a living in their garage band and maybe working one shift at a coffee shop. But fuck, I have to take another loan from my evil stepfather. You know, like (laughs) there's
5: this. (laughs) Yeah. And in that sense, I guess Tanya is not. (laughs) Or maybe she is because she just come for money. She never shies away from it. At least she's
4: not. She's not oh, trying true. to pretend that she's not from yeah. money. Yeah,
5: yeah. <laughs> Nothing drives me crazier than seeing like I don't know, like the the PBR trend of like rich hipsters being like, oh yeah, I love baby <laughs> art. Just like
3: please, miss yeah. me with that, man. But that is <laughs> That is a manic pixie dream girl thing, though. I feel like. Everything that hipster dudes were into were exactly what Manic Pixie dream girls were into. And I let uh, like I guess HBO now has the rights to 500 Days of Summer because it's been on and it, I think it's <laughs> on their app. So I watched mm. a couple of scenes knowing that we were going to talk about this today. And I was like, oh, yeah, I should refresh my memory. But I mean, obviously, it's easy to say now like, oh, I like cringed through the handful of scenes that I watched, which included of course, the typical scene that happens in, you know, Garden State and Elizabethtown and um and 500 Days of Summer where she declares her views on love, which are always like so written from like a dude's perspective that it's almost comical the way that she brings it up. Yeah. About how like I'm not looking for commitment and like we're just people hurting each other and like, shouldn't we just have fun? But really deep down, she just like wants to be in love. And I find that to be it was just so obnoxious. And then of course she like sings an extremely cutesy song at karaoke. And then he mm-hmm. sings the pixies, Here Comes Your Girl, or Here Comes Your Man. Sorry. And it was just uh, I felt all of it was like, oh, it's just so like perfect and like calculated that it like almost feels painful. And of course, he has the tall friend who looks a little bit like Richard Iote, but isn't, um, who like gets drunk a lot and gets kicked out of bars. And that's like played off as like, oh, he's yeah. like his humorous scamp friend. Mm-hmm. I, was, like, has- I would that guy fucking sucks in real life. <laughs> just so you know, it's yeah, not right. whimsy. But I think the thing that I find I the re- the revelation to myself that I found the most interesting, I guess, about me is that I, when I watched the 500 Days of Summer initially, I never identified with the summer character. I always, I, I always identified with like the mopey, sad white guy, Tom, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but Tom. with all of them, like across the, well, except, oh. with the exception of Town, which I, I couldn't even finish.
5: Yeah, of course I you identify with them because they're, they're humans. Right. And it's impossible to see yourself in a 2D character. It's I mean so not true. impossible, but unlikely.
3: Well, I did know some of those girls like in high school that were like just so adorable. <laughs> like, that's
4: that's a very good segue though, because I want to ask you both like what is your relationship to this trope? Since it sounds like you knew people in high school, Margot, who were like this person or at least attempted to be this trope in their real lives.
3: I always tried to be friends with them because I really wanted to figure out how you could do that right like I don't have it in me to be this like twee like little sweetie who has like a quirky personality trust me like uh, dudes definitely tried to like impose it upon me by like trying to get me into like obscure punk rock and stuff like that And (laughs) I definitely in my 20s was that to some older dudes but I always thought that like I was the braff character that was like waiting for somebody I guess maybe it's like the A little bit of like a rom-com trope that's seeped into a lot of women's brains, especially like millennial women's brains about like being rescued. And it's not necessarily like I think that that's my fantasy, but there is like a small part of you that's like one day my prince shall come. And that's maybe why I identified better with like the Tom and the is his name Andrew in Garden State? Oh, I can't remember. I don't know. Well, whatever. The Zach Braff character in Garden State. Because, like, yeah. I'm, like, a little depressed and anxious and i like, have on we? Like, right, so, right. Sure. But to your I point, think- Bailey, they're actually the real people. So, of course, it's, like, easier to find things to identify with. Because also all the characters that surround them are equally as insane. Yes.
5: Right. Well, and I also think, well, I don't know. <clears throat> I think men are as easily... Uh, uh lured in by the fairy tale one day my person will come Rom- like romanticization of relationships as women are um and like to be all inclusive like all people non-binary people included and trans people included in that so like it's like you know uh i think that we've just kind of insold this story about like what love is and how love is External love is the thing that's going to save you as opposed to finding it within and like then sharing it with someone. I don't know. I'm getting off track. But uh, what was the question, Emily?
4: (laughs) No, it's just your. what's your relationship (laughs) to the manic.
5: Yeah, I think what's interesting, I I don't know. I have a a pretty layered relationship with Manic Pixie Dream Girl because it's like I think I saw that trope uh so often in movies that I enjoyed or I thought I enjoyed or um that I was drawn to because they are kind of like artistic or funny or quirky or cute and uh and I was like well I guess that I guess that's the part I have to play in relationships right because that's that's what's there on the screen um and no one taught me that like that's life isn't actually like the movies so um I don't know. That's been kind of a thing. It's also been like a little bit uh, wanting to be someone's savior. Because if you're someone's savior, like, well, then then that's like, great, right? You're doing like, you're being a really nice person. And you, I don't know, there's like, I have a history of codependency and uh, people pleasing. And I think like, there's, there's some elements of that in the Manic Pixie Dreaming Girl t- trope. I also think what's interesting about it is like, I don't know, if you grow up Kind of surrounded by people and, and like, kind of, ma- namely men who are beaten down by the patriarchy. You're like, let me, let me free you from that with my whimsy, with my like childlike <laughs> curiosity and, and, and like hope. And, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's, uh, kind of my relationship to it is like, I wanted to be it, I think. And then now I'm seeing like how actually toxic the trope really is
4: well i think you bring up the toxicity is a great point and margo you kind of brought it up too is like just we're talking about the effortlessness of a manic pixie dream girl and how easy everything is and how carefree and wild and whatnot it's a very stark contrast from the other trope which is the uptight woman of like (laughs) oh how dare she be a workaholic for her magazine editor
5: job at this very important I mean, every woman in a ha- Hallmark zine.
3: movie or a Lifetime yes. holiday movie? She yes. could also be a cupcake shop owner too. Just, That's right. Or you know. yes. oh, she's a or she's a big-timer lawyer. She's a big-time lawyer. But it's like
4: it, there are these kind of extremes in the rom-com world where you can't really be anything in between. And if you do go into the high-powered, tie-strung, she works so hard. She cares about her career. She never cares about love, <laughs> and she never takes the time to smell the
3: daisies. You know, <laughs> like when like, so that's all you- the
5: manic pixie dream-, dream girl is doing, and she
3: loves to dance in the rain and smell those flowers. Yeah, <laughs> but it's so you know, it's funny. So, so
4: Kaylee, a few weeks ago, we did an episode on Hate oh. and like Anne Hathaway, and how people really disliked her for a time period and really Mm -hmm. tend to you know we do this with a lot of celebrities we do not like it when our celebrities try hard or worked hard to get to where they are Um, (laughs) yeah and it's it's the same with i think some of these rom-com characters it's like we're not supposed to like this iteration of a woman if she's the high strong hard working type who you know, oh, she must be a ball buster, you know, there's like, it's, 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 it's really a situation I think where until very recently, and I think a few exceptions being Nora Ephron, where I think she did a really great job writing a lot of characters who cared a lot, but like, you know, still had multi dimensions to them. But generally, there's kind of always been the one box or the other. And like, yeah, until recently, you you had there isn't to kind of...
5: complexity. At all. Exactly.
4: Exactly. Yeah.
5: Yeah. And it's interesting. I don't know. Immediately what popped in my head is this idea of like the Madonna versus the whore. But like this is almost Mm -hmm. like the Madonna whore complex of cinema. Yes. Where it's like you're either uh, a wild carefree spirit with nothing to gain and nothing to lose or everything hinges on everything you do because you hold the whole world up on your shoulders because you're like very, you know, driven woman or whatever.
3: Well, I think another good example would be the monologue in Gone Girl, the cool girl speech of like, yes. you have to eat burgers and never gain weight and you have to be like into football, even though you don't care about football and just like the lengths that you have to go to and the people that you have to be to then end up with somebody that you actually might not even like. And so I <laughs> think that the manic pixie dream girl does have one advantage, which is like she is meant to like show up like shake this guy with like her zest for life her joie de vivre and then she fucks off she never ends up with the guy i mean like honestly similar to like titanic like i would pay money for jack to survive and see him in rose like living together like, <laughs> in new york like everyone knows kml did like a sketch one year where like i don't know if it got in but i remember reading it and it was They were just, like, broke in this apartment. They were, like, fighting. She was like, (laughs) your drawings are shit. Like, it was very funny. But I would pay money to see, like, a follow-up or not not pay money. But I'd love to know what the follow-up is of zach braff not getting on the plane or whatever and him meeting crying natalie partman in like a phone booth and they live happily ever after question mark like what do you guys even know about each other other than like she wears a quirky helmet because she has seizures and like she used to be good at ice skating like please tell me what her like middle name is like i dare you yeah (laughs) i i think that also speaks to like the the
5: disposability, like, I don't know, there is like a certain, if you look at that, the the trope from one angle, it's like, oh, look, she has so much freedom. She just breezes in, breezes out, does says whatever the fuck she wants. And like, it somehow cracks him wide open. What a magical thing. And then there's also this the other side of it where it's like, I feel like I have encountered men who look at me that way and therefore treat me as disposable because they just assume I'm going to, fuck off and leave or whatever um and they're like projecting this character onto me which is like not a real person yeah i don't know there's like a disposability to her to them to their relationship
3: yeah because i think i think everyone knows it has like the expiration date well it has the depth of like a vacation romance like somebody (laughs) that you meet overseas and yeah halfway through you realize like you guys have nothing in common other than you happen to be in the same place at the same time i mean is tay diggs and stella got her groove back a manic pixie dream boy no because i think he does have like an interior life i'm thinking more of like people who end up like on 90 day fiance where you're like that should have (laughs) never That's I well, never left the country.
4: <laughs> that So so two things. that One reminds me a little of, I just watched Rosaline on Netflix a, like a month or two ago, which is like a retelling of Romeo and Juliet through the eyes of Rosaline, the other woman jo- that Romeo's with at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it's very funny because, you know, in the end, spoiler alert, uh, Romeo and Juliet don't die and they are able to devise a plan to keep them alive. And so oh. they sail off together to another island and rosaline's a cartographer so she has drawn them a very detailed map to get there and in the end credits it's funny because they have nothing to talk about that's what the whole (laughs) thing is is like oh so do you like weather like you know it's just that sounds like the end of the graduate (laughs) exactly like that is if we got to see the, the elaine robinson um benjamin uh bus ride and continue to see it it would yeah continue to just be awkward silence with none staring at them wait
5: rosaline gave them like a legit map she wasn't yes. like go over here and then no. it's like
4: I sharks actually, get them <laughs> it was kind of cute so she plays so so catherine caitlin dever or catherine dever from booksmart plays rosaline in this movie and she has aspirations and she really wants to be a cartographer so she draws like intricate maps and um Yeah, so she gave them this, like, very intricate map to get to an island where they could be away from their families and be able to live freely.
5: Wow. Yes. What a generous thing. Yes. She's probably like, you're going to find out he's really boring in bed.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. And, but I, I, but it's it's just like that, though. And like to your point, The Graduate, I mean, it's just there's so much this hinge on a couple of um, encounters with someone that you feel like you're immediately in love with them. And mm-hmm. when you risk and do everything to get to that person and it's finally just you, the two of you against the world, you have to be content with what happens next. And oftentimes that has never really been thought about after that.
5: Right. And it's there's so much of an object of desire type of thing happening where it's like, I don't know, I feel like uh, oftentimes in like uh, these kinds of love stories, it's like someone has so much um, like fire in them, but they have nowhere to project it onto. And so they just find this like character, other person to project it onto. And it's not even actually about the other person at all.
3: Well, it's very Don Draper, like I like the beginning of things, like when you have like a goal, I mean, as like a habitual goal setter to like keep (laughs) a motivation going, like it's good to have a goal, but then, and I'm glad that I don't make all of my goals because it's once you get to sometimes you get the top of the mountain or whatever, part of you is like, well, what the fuck is next? And that can kind of like cause a different sort of spiral that love or setting new goals or whatever can't help you. Um, I don't know, shore up if you haven't like done work on yourself or like really know what you're what you're trying to go after. About, or, yeah. Yeah. Or like to Emily's point of like you have to be OK with like whatever happens next. And a lot of people I think find and this is also like I think a byproduct of the manic pixie dream girl trope and also their disposability is like a lot of it is, is like an element of like control because mm-hmm. I think. The movie Ruby Sparks that, like, directly addresses the Manny Pixie Dream Girl trope, like, the one thing that they do really smartly is the more that he – the author who, like, creates her or, like, brings her to life or whatever – the more that he, like, lets her have her own free will, the harder that she is to control. And so at some point he just has to, like, let go and, like, realize that's, you know, that's his big lesson to learn or whatever. And mm-hmm. sets the foundation for him, like, falling in love with like a real person. And I think her has some similar tropes of, like, once the AI, has, it like, has a mind of its own, so to speak, you have to be okay with whatever they do next. And mm-hmm. it
5: turns out not a lot of people are okay with that. Turns out the AI just steals digital art from artists.
3: <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs>
5: I'm not gonna go there. I have an axe to grind about that.
3: Oh, same. yeah. <clears throat> um Well, so- on top of it being horrible for artists, it's also really ugly and corny. So that's oh, the that yeah, on that. It's true. And then the other thing for me is
4: just like, who are you giving your image and likeness to? Like I'm literally you're gonna end up on a bottle of Viagra. Like, you know, it's <laughs> just <laughs> if you're lucky i feel like
5: that's the big account emily that is a pretty big account but you won't get any money for it that's true
4: um so we've brought up a whole lot of examples you just brought up ruby sparks you brought up her we've talked about 500 days of summer elizabeth town harold and Maude.
1: um
4: are for each of you is there a favorite manic pixie dream girl and or is there one that you love to hate and you can have one of each or one mm-hmm. in particular that really, you know, grinds, like, just makes you angry
3: um, or one that you're like
4: deserves a redemption.
3: I love and and I actually don't think that she's a Manic Face Dream girl, but I've seen it come up enough in the various things that we've read that I will always go to bat for Holly Golightly in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Maybe it's because she's, like, the first one I saw and was, like, oh, she's, like, so cool and stylish, mis- stylish and mysterious. But I would also argue that the male love interest, like, doesn't have an interior life either. He's just kind of, like, some hunk that, like, helps her find her cat and stuff. And they, like, put little maths on and, like, bang. And, like, they don't really, they don't have any sort of depth to each other either. But that also is what gets them to see each other very clearly. So, I will always go to bed for Holly Golightly. I love Breakfast at Tiffany's Mickey Rourke situation, notwithstanding. <laughs> like, that's that could I could do without that. But she's my favorite Manny Pixie dream girl. How
5: about you, Kaylee? I would say so. This is a complicated answer because um, I'm of the belief that uh, if a man makes a movie, if a man makes a movie, um, And the point of that movie is to eschew the Manic Pixie Dream Girl trope, but he's using every Manic Pixie Dream Girl play out of the playbook. But like the overall uh, vibe is that this character is a Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Then I think the character is still a Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Um, And I say that about Clementine from Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And it's like, I've seen a lot of... uh, film critiques on YouTube where like a man explains why she's not a manic pixie dream girl and they always uh reference that one line where she's like in the library or the bookstore or whatever and she's like men like to project project things onto me and like yeah just because she's aware of that doesn't mean she's not that and it doesn't mean she's not that in this movie um I do think like that movie does a better job of like exploring her uh her experience but i still i don't know i i get conflicted because i'm like well until a woman makes a manic pixie dream girl movie and goes that's not a manic pixie dream girl i'm not i'm kind of like yeah i I don't fucking believe that
4: i agree with you so much the one i was going to potentially bring up was Clementine for sure um, and then the other one I was going to bring up because we talked about her briefly was you know Zoe Deschanel's character Summer in Five Hundred Days of Summer, and I would bring up Zoe Deschanel as a whole because I think like yes she got she <laughs> as <an> got <laughs> as an entity and especially like the first kind of fifteen years of her career like she definitely played that role a lot and it it comes up in a lot of indie movies I you know I would say like and I think she she was typecast because of it mm-hmm. and I think what I appreciate out of Zoe Deschanel is I absolutely I love the show new girl um it's one of those that I go back to and watch reruns of because it's just it's like, so well written it's very well written and what I love about it is that they took a lot of the common denominators between Zoe Deschanel's characters in several other movies where she you know wears very twee clothing like she wears this always wears tights and she does this and that and has banks. But they had her care about things and ha- very much had her own personality. And I really um, loved how well-written that character was and um, how her relationship with Nick grew over the seasons of the show and the various arcs. And so um, for me, you know, I think I went through a love-hate-love love relationship with Zoe Deschanel. But um, I've always really appreciated In the 500 Days of Summer, every time I've rewatched it, you know, I I find something new about that film that I haven't noticed before and you know how much of it like yeah when it was first released people did see her as this villain which is so funny because like even the director has said multiple times like Mm -hmm. this was not that was not meant to be the case like she is just like any other girl out there she likes the smiths and i guess not everyone likes the smiths but like (laughs) you know she's just like any other woman out there but it's it's this man i appreciate that in this world it is the man, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character Tom, who has created the manic pixie dream girl trope out of this character, rather than that character being written that way. It is his own perception that has created the framework for her to be that
5: trope. Yeah, and I think along the lines of like when you create with you when you have an intention of creating a message and a film and a set of characters like, once you release it out into the world, it kind of does its own thing. And I feel like 500 days of summer, even, you know, people were watching it and missing the point. And so it's like, okay, yeah, you did a really clever thing. But like, it's kind of contributing to the to the trope. Um, And uh, actually, to go back to her a litmus test I have for a lot of times when I am like dating a man. I'm like, what do you think of the movie Her? <laughs> because I want to see. Do they understand like the,
3: the depth of it? Or they're just like, oh, sweet, a hot AI. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> the only thing I remember about Her is – I remember watching it in a packed theater, and the sex scene happens, and like you can hear every single seat. And as it like goes on, finally, like someone in the front was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like just <laughs> so over it. And that's the only thing I remember about that movie was some lady's reaction, like, "Ugh, give it a rest." <laughs> we get it. Uh, that was
5: me. You were in my th- yeah. No, <laughs> I, I think there
3: was, was like an, a group of older gals that. Uh, in the lobby, we're talking about how much they did not like it. Mm. And I assume it was one of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as we're talking
4: about these various movies, are there any that have redeeming qualities? Like, is Garden State actually good if Natalie Portman is just some well-adjusted paralegal?
5: Um <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh well you know garden state's redeeming quality i still think is the soundtrack yeah like, i think that's the most yeah that's redeeming it. thing about it i agree um, i mean i would i wonder how the movie would be different i mean i feel like kind of to your point emily about like tom creates this framework in order for summer to become this person that she's maybe not not necessarily i think that Zach Brass' character would have done that to a paralegal as well, right? He would have just been – he would have found different ways to, like, make her feel quirky for him. I mean, I think there are redeeming qualities. Like, they're not – Oh, you do your taxes? So, so quirky. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, maybe. Maybe that is quirky to him because he probably doesn't. He's probably not fiscally responsible. He's never had a real job. So, like, maybe that is – maybe that is quirky to him. I mean – I, I really appreciated somebody's tweet that was like, um, I want to I watch a rom-com where like a man leaves a manic pixie dream girl for a woman that has like a sensible job and a great haircut. And I'm like, yeah, I would watch that. That sounds very funny to me. But I think Five yeah. Days of Summer is like a very pretty movie. Like it's extremely well shot. Yeah. Um, I like, I mean, you know, and it's L.A. So like it, and it's like the nicest L.A. has looked in a long time. And I think there's like a definite charm about it. And it definitely had a cultural impact because a lot of people tried to make 500 Days of Summer like for years afterwards. So yeah, there are some yeah. redeeming qualities. Definitely.
5: I I love the movie Almost Famous, except I was like, well, the, you know, being like a, I don't know, teen. Was I a teen when it came out? I think it was. I was. I was like, okay, there's no part for me in this movie <laughs> except for Penny Lane. And she's like- She's like a cardboard cutout of a person. So uh that was really a bummer. But I really love that movie. I think all the male characters in that movie are yeah. fascinating and I really know. interesting and really would love to see. I don't know, could we do a little gender flip on Almost Famous? Like Well. Get a Harry I, Styles I was, in there to play Penny no, Lane? No, God, no, no, no,
4: no. God, yeah, no, just no, no, no,
5: please. Someone who can act. As,
3: yeah, <laughs> as people who paid money to see "Don't Worry, Darling" in a theater. We could safely say, "Oh, it's bad." Pick I've heard else. that. Um, but. I, Daisy Jones and the Six is gonna be coming to Amazon soon, and the novel's really great because I think that they she resists. I mean, it's written by a woman, so there's there's some of that to it as well. But like, the yeah. Daisy Jones character resists being a manic pixie dream girl, similar to Five Days of Summer. It's like the dude tries to like put her in sort of like that box, like the lead singer, but like it doesn't really ever go there. Like she mm. is very clearly her own person who has her own interior life, who you get to know. And mm-hmm. like resists being saved, not because she wants it, or like secretly wants to. Like she doesn't want to at all. She wants to. She wants to tell people to, like go fuck themselves. So that, yeah, that's right. like an interesting gender flip that I'm excited to see. You
5: talking about that is reminding me of Liv Tyler's character in that thing you do. Do we yes. think she
3: was a manic pixie dream girl or no? Because she dumps she was- her asshole boyfriend in the end. Yeah. Right.
5: But she is also the, like, object of desire for Tom. Is it Tom? It Guy. is Tom. Yeah. Or, yeah.
3: Another Tom. No, it's <laughs> Guy. It's Tom, Guy. His well, real, do, there's, it's Tom oh, Everett Scott. Is oh, my God. The, oh, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, okay, okay, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the character, as a, that thing you do, scholar.
2: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot.
3: Thomas, Thomas and also somebody who's had a crush on Thomas Everett Scott for like a really long oh, time me, <laughs> oh yes
4: please yeah yes. Yeah,
3: his name is Guy in the movie Guy I mean, that's right he Guy doesn't actually have a crush on her until like the very very end because he was like into Charlie's Theron a Ross
5: and Rachel thing going on they like un- they like get each other they like connect
3: yeah they like hang out I, I guess but only like kind of like by default I
4: I also think that the interesting thing about the Liv Tyler character in that
3: world is that
4: um, what is their, the, her boyfriend's name? The lead singer of the band in that movie?
3: Ugh, can't remember his name. Christina Applegate's ex-husband. I don't yeah, remember that Jonathan,
5: guy's name. Yeah, no, yeah, the, I
4: know his real like his real name, but yeah. Anyway, that guy, I think similar to Tom in Five Hundred Days of Summer, putting a framework on her being uh, being summer, being this carefree kind of manic pixie dream girl kind of girl who's going to change his life. I think that um, the lead singer character and that thing you do when he is dating Faye, um, Liv Tyler's character, he likes to think of her as like that supportive girlfriend who is always there for him. And like, you know what I mean? And like, <laughs> and so, and sh- and doesn't really think of her outside of just being kind of the extension. She's not very
5: extension self- Right. She's not really self-serving, which I think that's something I'm heavily exploring on my podcast is the self-serving um, nature of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl and like how... That is almost like um, a reason why we allow her to be mistreated because we're like, oh, well, she's in service to herself, not the man. Therefore, uh, it's fine if she's like trampled on.
3: I had a random thought and I have to share it, you guys, before I forget it. The lead singer's name is Jimmy. Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy, who she kissed with her eyes closed (laughs) too tight. I always love that speech. I know. Because she's so pure right Mm -hmm. and like i know that that's like a a hallmark of a a manic pixie dream girl like she's so pure of heart like she means so well she's so sweet look at her sacrificing for this asshole of like a boyfriend who is freaked out by the implication that uh he's engaged to her or whatever but i think in that moment she sees him clearly i think that she's like one of those like I want to beat the Yoko stereotype kind of girls yeah, <laughs> yes. in some way. So I don't know. I never really read like that to me, but I guess I haven't seen the movie in a while. So maybe I'm wrong.
4: I have a movie I just thought of, and I want to present to you guys as maybe the, a movie about an oh, an outgrown, like a grown up manic pixie dream girl and what your life becomes. I submit to you <laughs> Donna from Mamma Mia, Meryl Streep's character. (laughs) Think think about it. She gets
5: left by three men. She changed all of their lives so much that they came back. She wears overalls. Okay. Well, yeah, I fully am going to be that. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. fine with it.
4: This is a Manic Pixie dream, girl. Like, I don't think anyone's. I've never read anyone describe it that way. But when I think about it, True. I think there's a lot about her. And granted, she does have her own life. She creates her own life with her daughter, Sophie. They like right. she runs an inn and in and, and Greece and all that. But as a youngster in Mamma Mia 2, Here We Go Again, uh, <laughs> we get to see a manic pixie dream girl origin story, you know, like I love that. But on that subject, are there um, any movies you guys think we haven't uh, brought up as an honorable mention for a great example of like Manic Pixie Dream Girl
5: portrayals? Something I always see on lists that I I am reticent to even speak of because of the people involved, but Annie Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, which, like, I you know, I, I've seen Annie Hall maybe once or twice uh, before I completely swore off uh, he who shall not be named. And um, I think that, like, I have a problem with her being categorized as a manic pixie dream girl, and
3: I don't know why. There's, like, internal resistance around it. Well, I think your resistance is founded because Annie Hall is based on Diane Keaton, who is a real person with an interior yeah. life, and she helped develop this character with... You know, that person. Okay. And so I i don't know. I think that just be, I think you can kind of almost argue it that she's giving um, the main character whose name escapes me right now. She's, oh, Alvi Alvy. I was like, not Alvy, too much white lotus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alvi sees only like her quirky special like yeah. oh like oh let them read, like the lobsters are underneath the fridge oh my god <laughs> so I think that he chooses to only see those parts and ignores everything else and I think <laughs> that that's a kind of 500 days of summary yeah a little bit it is but
4: there's I feel like in the 90s too like there's some some people who kind of have a little bit of that manic pixie dream girl-esque vibe to them just like like I'm thinking, for example, this is kind of a weird one, but like um, Reality Bites, like the Winona Ryder character is a little bit like oh, yeah. a Gen X Manic Pixie Dream Girl. And I think Winona Ryder got kind of written that way in, in a lot of her movies around that time. Not, not full on Manic Pixie Dream Girl, but definitely shades of it in all of her movies because she was quirky and different and like she looked good
3: in a short haircut, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, to tack on to the Winona thing, that movie that she was in with Richard Gere, like Oh, Sweet November uh, yes. or October? Is uh, it? No, it's October. October? No, not October Sky. Well, what, whatever it's called, <laughs> yeah. it's not Sweet November because that's um, the Charlize Theron, Keanu yes. Reeves one. But it does have like November or like fall in the title. Regardless, Autumn
4: in New York, right? Autumn in? New- no, I don't know.
3: Well, re- regardless, my point know, is yes, that yes. she was a manny pixie dream girl in that, even though. Yeah. She like shows up in Richard Gere's life and like teaches him the meaning of what it's like to be alive, and then she dies on him. And so like that's another way that manic pixie dream girls like just don't commit. But another one that we haven't <laughs> talked about that like maybe <laughs> I, I, I feel like Cameron Diaz got a lot of the manic pixie dream girl. Oh yeah, and I think there's something about Mary, even though that movie still makes me laugh, and it really, sh- me too. <laughs> It's like such a deeply
5: yeah it was a problematic upsetting.
3: movie like anyway but you know she plays golf she's a bro she watches espn she's hot she's tall she like <laughs> is into fucking matt dylan who is arguably hot and they were dating during that movie but like and she's into ben stiller and like she has a brother with special needs she's nice to like her weird elderly overly tan neighbor like i feel like there's a little bit of like whimsy there hmm. Especially like yeah. the way that the dudes pursue her and they they talk about her as if they will never meet another human woman for the rest of their lives, which right. is just <laughs> insane. And, and truly, in the end, it's like she has three separate men stalking her. So, sure. yes, you know, like I said, deeply pro- problematic, but <laughs> has a special place in my heart. <laughs>
5: In college, I used to call girls that reminded me of like Mary from something about Mary. I used to call them chicken and porn girls because they would like eat fried chicken with the boys and watch like, yeah, and be, like, let's turn on some porn and laugh at it. You know, like, I don't know. I met girls like that in college. And I was just like, what are you doing?
4: It is. You bring up a very interesting point, which is like the pick me girl to the um cool chicken and porn to the cool girl pipeline is very real of like, oh, yes. You know, girl, like I just think about high school, like watch, you know, sitting at a in a basement somewhere with a bunch of guys watching them play video games for hours and trying to be cool about it. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I I mean? I think about that. I'm like, I
3: don't get that time
4: back. I know. I know. I'm so I know. I know. know. So many
3: fucking band practices. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. Pretend we're good or interesting (laughs) or both yeah there was
5: a um the way you described Mary or like there was one particular thing about Mary that made me think of Laura Lenny's character in uh, uh love actually mm like, but I guess it's just the special needs brother part. Oh. <laughs> but, but I, I was just like, I wonder, like, which made me think about that movie. And I'm like, is there a manic pixie dream girl in that movie? I guess maybe the Monica Lewinsky wannabe. Oh, yeah, 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 the
4: assistant. yeah
3: secretary girl. Yeah, in Hugh Grant. But Natalie, yes. Natalie, yeah.
5: They but then like, also, she perkies um,
3: her way into his art. <laughs>
5: Kira, I'm maybe all the women in that I movie. I mean, are Kira, Knightley, manic definitely the, the way yeah, that nightly,
3: yeah.
4: The Portuguese housekeeper yes. like, oh, yeah. Boy. yeah. Oh boy, yeah. It's like that's international. <laughs> manic Pixie Dream Girl. Like, that's so a- manic. <laughs> <laughs> manic. Um, but it's true like I think what what we find and this is especially in the case of late 90s, 2000s Until very recently, even if you couldn't call a woman in the rom com a full on manic pixie dream girl, there are very large swaths, shades of it that come up on a regular basis because they, you know, you have to, that has to, you know, happen in order for this, like, you know, character, this jaded man to be, you know, changed in the way he lives. But there's, it is interesting that, like, um, In Love Actually, the women who don't fall into that trope get super screwed over like Emma Thompson's Mm -hmm. character because, God forbid, she is just a realistic woman about life and just likes her fucking Joni Mitchell. Like, God. And just
5: wants a normal, peaceful life. Yeah. 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 I've I've been thinking about. I, as I want to do, I've been thinking about Carrie from Sex and the City a lot. <laughs> oh, we talk about her all the time. Okay, okay. She's just, i it's just an iconic character. Um, but I think that she, in a lot of ways, she is a manic pixie dream girl, mm-hmm. but we get to see her world. That's kind of what was so freaking cool and continues to be cool, even though it's cringe sometimes about the show. It's like we get to see, she definitely is like, doesn't want to commit and like chases after the wrong men. And like, you know, in a lot of ways, if we were watching Sex in the City from Big's perspective, it would be a manic pixie dream girl movie.
3: Interesting. Show. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, she also doesn't have her finances together. She says yes. things like Vogue fed me and like things that are just like, holy. amazing. <laughs> so like, yeah. If Emily said that to me, I'd be like, are you all right? Like, God. <laughs>
5: I had a carry moment. Mo- over for dinner. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I had a carry moment today. Uh, I have this <laughs> jumpsuit that I bought on sale that is like the perfect jumpsuit for me. I wear it way too much. And I discovered that my dog, as he tends to sometimes when I leave clothes on the floor, ate the crotch of the jumpsuit. <gasps> no. And I just had a full like pee <laughs> You know, when, when Carrie is freaking oh, yeah. out about the designer's shoes that like oh, a yeah. dog ate, I was <laughs> just like, i so upset. But I can fix the pants. I can fix the pants. <laughs> Fine.
4: So I feel like we've, we've <laughs> talked about a lot of different things. And like, I think what's been kind of cool throughout this, um, this time we've talked is that we're realizing that. You know, we immediately all gravitated to a handful of examples when we first started recording. But as we were talking about it, thinking about it, we realized like how much that trope in some way, shape or form found its way into a lot of movies and TV that we watched over the years. And I'd love to know, you know, is there something you like in particular about this trope or 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 the the characteristics that come with it or and and then what is something you deeply dislike? Mm
5: -hmm.
3: Well, you know, I love the um, aspirationalness, if that's even a word, about (laughs) ascending to, like, a higher level of just being a free spirit. Um, I think that, like, I think a lot of people have a little dash of manic pixie dream girl tendencies right like whether learned or something that you like did a long time ago it's like a habit that you can't break or something you've absorbed one's essence which i feel yes or like triggering. it's just part of your vibe like it's yeah. not my fault people think i'm cool and mysterious and like i go on hikes or whatever it is or listen to like good music like it's not my fault if people think that about me um but i think Yeah, I just feel like whether it's, like, through osmosis, like, the way that, like, people find out things about Kardashians, like, uh, there's a little bit of good stuff. But, like, it's one of those things where when you put all of those qualities together, uh, it's, like, interacting with, like, a Scorpio. It's, like, it's just all bad, you know? Like, you don't want to be everything in moderation. You know, you want a little bit of, like, you want, like, a little bit of of Carrie, right? Like, you just want to be a little like Carrie, not the whole thing because then, like, Jesus Christ. But then again, you know, I love the... And just like that era of Carrie, because she truly is a Man and Pixie dream girl now because she has all of Big's money and she doesn't need to worry about <laughs> anything ever again. So, again, dream. I aspire to inherit a wealthy yeah. family member's money. <laughs> I,
5: I think where I'm at with the trope is like... I do feel like I, I, yeah, I don't know if it's learned, I don't know if it's innate, I don't know what it is, but I do feel like I carry a lot of the Manic Pixie dream Girl with me, and I am like fascinated by by, um, by the, like the boundaries of it and the box we've created out of it. And like, how do we expand that box? How do we maybe even like break out of some of those like pre preconceived notions? (laughs) Like this is, I don't know why I feel compelled to share this, but like, I'm, constantly being asked to be the unicorn to a couple that wants to have a threesome like that's like I have if I had if I had money for every time that happened to me I wouldn't be ass broke um and so
4: it's happened to me on dating apps where I like will look at people who've liked me and it's a couple and it's happened to me a couple of times at this point and it's just like,
5: yeah. I mean, at first, at first it's like, oh, okay. That's like kind of a neat compliment. And then after a while, I'm like, oh, you just want me to guest star. You just want – and that's the thing. Yeah, like that episode of Threesome, the threesome <laughs> episode of Sex in the City. Exactly. <laughs> and it's just like, uh, I don't know. I feel like there is some kind of like – auric thing around the manic pixie dream girl trope that's like oh she just breezes in and breezes out and we don't know what she's doing the rest of the time and so like i'm i'm both like fascinated by that and like angry about that and i'm like why don't we know about her and her life like i maybe she does want to be known but just like nobody cares to ask yeah you know what i mean or nobody cares to like keep up with her they just let her breeze in breeze out and they're like oh yeah i forgot about that girl um what are the things i don't like about the trope i don't i don't know my my answer is really complex and and mixed there i think i think i answered your question i
4: this i think it segues though what you've just said kind of segues really nicely into like what where does this trope go from here right like um has it gotten better and or worse over time and then, you know, where where do we see it going from here or wh- do we have any predictions? I would love to hear.
5: So my personal prediction is like as we see more of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, maybe we see things that aren't so tweet. We, maybe we see things that aren't so cute. I actually see this character growing into more of an anti-hero. Maybe, you know, like maybe she gets tired of being the one that's always like delivering the wisdom to men going through some kind of life crisis. And she's like, you know, fuck off. You're on your own Um, or whatever. Like I in my maybe this is like something I need to write, but like in my dream and imagining it's a manic pixie dream girl that turns some kind of antihero.
3: I think I appreciate the evolution of the trope over time. And I just think that, like, where it needs to go from here is like, I mean, is it still a manic pixie dream world trope if, like, it's written and directed by women? Like, I don't know. I think the more uh, interior life you can give to a stereotype, the more interesting it becomes. And I think everything's sort of like moving in that sort of direction, regardless. So I'd be excited to see where it goes. I thought the trope was dead, but maybe there'll be a resurgence. Well, I think it's it's not it's not dead. It's kind of changed in and so it's not so
4: much a manic pixie dream girl but manic pixie dream films. And I'd like <laughs> to submit to you all the films of all the movies that have been based by John Green novels. So like, Alton, our Stars, like anything paper planes or paper towns, whatever that one was
3: called. There's also, what was that movie like five feet apart where like these two kids that have like terminal illnesses, like fall in love, but they have to stay away from each other. Like, yeah, it's
4: going to be like this adorkable, you know, rom, teen rom-com and Netflix, I will say has done pretty well with it. Some are better than others. Some are like insufferable. And then some I've, you know, enjoyed, um, I talked about Dash and Lily on this podcast a few times, which was like a mini series they did based on a book a few years back. And it's a holiday thing, which was very cute. But yeah, I mean, some are better than others, but I think it's it's not so much the girl as it is the movie itself that has a very mm. quirky, adorkable twist in it while, you know, probably telling you a sad story about a terminally ill teenager. <laughs> um, mm. But I feel like that's where it is at this point. Um, I think where it goes is I think we start to have more of the manic pixie dream boys. Like I think that there, I think that uh, we find ourselves at a crossroads where we get the Hallmark movie that's done by (laughs) Netflix. So it's a little more edgy and it's, you know, rather than the high powered female lawyer, you know, meeting a chocolatier in a small town, it's like he runs like a, a, like um i don't know what a christmas cor- tree farm yeah. yeah but it's like he's not he's not looking like you know some christian rock singer he's got like in a manic pixie what you'd expect out of a manic pixie tree boy so it's like um a tree farm grows in brooklyn is what i'll call <laughs> no, it oh
3: sorry sorry <laughs> davidson yes it's a manhattan a manhattan high-strung female lawyer has d- Decides for whatever played reason. By Cecily, but, played by Cecily Strong.
4: Played by <laughs> yeah, Cecily yeah. Strong. Unfortunately, because of a issue with her apartment building, has to relocate to Brooklyn mm-hmm. for the holiday season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There, she encounters Pete Davidson, the owner of a local Brooklyn Christmas tree Wasn't <laughs> so
5: Rory so- Scovel in that movie with um, Amy...
3: Schumer, yeah. Schumer, uh, he I was kind pretty.
5: of a yeah, he was kind of a oh. manic pixie dream boy. Well, I
3: will raise all of you mm. a wonderful holiday movie. I think it's called a Christmas Tale or I forget. It's like a lifetime movie where this a former high-powered busy business lady lawyer from the big city inherits an inn that is haunted and she falls in love and stays there to be with the ghost she falls in love with. Hell and yeah. I think that is the final evolution of a manic pixie dream boy. He's a fucking ghost, bitch. He can't <laughs> leave the that- house. We <laughs> can't, can't leave he it here. What's he gonna do? He has no personality. He was he died a hundred
5: years ago. City, um, Nicholas Cage in City of Angels, manic pixie dream boy, possibly. <laughs> but I don't think you I don't feel know. like Nick Cage defies tropes because that
4: man is
3: just a lunatic. Manic pixie, possible.
5: manic angel, dream boy. Manic think, angel, dream boy.
3: He's yeah, I mean, he's literally an angel. though. So. he's definitely manic pixie dream boy in fucking Moonstruck though. Like oh, she oh does, yeah. yeah, like she he's off the charts. Like what is there to fall in love with besides? instability
4: I, <laughs> I it's true yeah. like for how much i love that movie like i it is so true like as i rewatch it i'm like what to
3: share see in this like the sex must be the nick in cage sex it must be yeah he he better fucking blow your whole back out or else i don't want to hear it because <laughs> he does seem very <laughs> passionate i will say sure but very when passionate. One hand. when she leaves well not like his brother is any sort of prize but when she like a is, like i love him or whatever i had a very just been like <laughs> him okay all right i, I, I mean it. if you're if your options are like danny aiello
4: or
5: this guy, like, <laughs> oh yeah may he rest in peace yes, but, you that's know.
3: why you choose being alone but that's fine <laughs> oh poor danny aiello uh... <laughs>
5: in the
4: cage Listen, he's fantastic in little italy as well if you kaylee oh i don't know if you've ever seen little italy oh, starring and I should, for you. Oh, yeah. yeah
3: hayden christensen like has no he runs a pizzeria and he's like maybe into soccer like you know nothing else about this man really <laughs> and emma roberts rolls in to like save her parents pizzeria and they're like i'm in love it, it makes yeah he's another great one he's just a cardboard cutout of a man oh man yeah hayden christensen Mm-hmm. Yeah.
5: I literally laughed in theaters when he did the Darth Vader. No, right? That that was everyone laughed at that. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, anyway. absolutely.
4: Uh, well, I think we're getting to a point where I think we've talked quite a bit about manic pixie dream girls, and Today. before we do a final segment on this podcast, I wanted to make sure we. We share any final thoughts, if anyone had any that we didn't cover, about Manic Pixie Dream Girls, the trope, and anything else we wanted to um, get into before we move into our final segment, which which Kaylee has so (laughs) generously put together for us.
5: Yeah, I think... um, I don't know. I think whenever I see a Manic Pixie Dream Girl, I... (laughs) I, like, feel the the actress's pain, I'm like, that's the part you gave me, you know, like there's nothing <laughs> yeah. to hang on to there. And I think I project a lot of my, my, um, dissatisfaction with the roles that, I, that I've like, you know, the kind of two dimensional roles that I feel like I I've experienced, uh, in my acting career, like onto that. And I'm just like, Oh, that must feel so awful. And so I don't know if I have Ma- manic pixie dream rage, it's th- that's why is because I'm like that poor actress manic pixie dream, riot Girl. <laughs> oh, with the, with the two R's and the no yeah. I yes, you know it. Oh, you know it a hundred percent. So okay. we,
4: Kaylee has so graciously offered to do some quick tarot reading on our podcast, which I am super stoked about. Margo and I love astrology and tarot and Kaylee is an amazing all-around astrologist and tarot per-
5: sub-reader, so yay, let's shoot, it. go ahead, let's do it. Okay, I've already got some cards popping out, and they're all twos, so I kind of feel like this reading might be for you and your podcast. Okay. Oh, okay. I, don't, I don't know. We'll take it. Okay. We just crossed 100 episodes. Hey, congratulations. Thank you. That's what, that's what, like, two years of doing the podcast? Three. Three? Yeah. Damn. That's awesome. Okay. On the bottom of the deck, I've got the divine feminine in reverse, which is a, uh, in a traditional tarot deck, the Empress in reverse. And it kind of tells me that like what y'all are doing here is a little bit turning traditional femininity on its head. That's what I'm seeing here. Um, and like perhaps giving voice to, and to like, I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like Where are all the TV shows about millennials? I feel like we're the last generation. It's because of the Marvel Cinematic Universe,
4: Kaylee. All those actors are superheroes. We do not have our version.
5: Yeah. Yes. Where's our sex in the city? You know what I mean? Like, yes, I'm pissed about it. Anyway, I think what you guys are doing here is giving a voice to that uh, in a much needed time and world and space for that. Okay. In the recent... Past we have the two of Pentacles, which talks to me a lot about like balance and finding balance, and maybe now after a hundred episodes, you're like hitting your stride. You're like, oh yeah, we. I mean, this is a very well produced pod- podcast, I'll say.
3: Oh, thank you, um,
5: thank you. Yeah, as I as I struggle to put out episode episode two of my podcast, it's <laughs> <where laughs> a very well produced <laughs> podcast. Um, and so two of Pentacles talks to me about like making kind of choices and. In order to better balance something, um, I wouldn't be surprised if along the way you guys have been like, "Oh, that works. That doesn't work. Go oh, that way. We're going to trim the fat here, and we're going to like focus on this." Um, in the present, we have the two of wands, which is very much like prospecting. It's like manifesting. It's like where are we going to take this? What are we going to do? How are we going to expand? In the traditional tarot this has like a dude with two wands and he's like basically staking his claim in the land that he just bought and i use bought with quotes because um you know colonialism um and uh and he's like hey uh, what am i what am i gonna do with all this land let me think about it so it's kind of like the world is your oyster and you're you're making choices and kind of figuring out what's next Um, And then this is like a future energy that's headed toward you guys. The three of pentacles, the three of pentacles is all about working together Um, again in a, in a traditional tarot deck. um, It has uh, the three of pentacles has a a people. I think it has three people, which would make sense Um, taking a look at like this kind of art on the inside of a building. I want to say it's a church. It's like, Oh, how are we going to improve on this really intricate piece of artwork what do we um how can we collaborate how can like our you know three heads are better than one or whatever I don't know maybe the cards are saying you need to add me as a host of a podcast or whatever I, I'm just I don't know it's the cards it's the cards it's not me I I, didn't, I don't I'm not saying that um no but I think it's like you know maybe looking into like cross collaborations and uh what you guys maybe that's part of the expansion of the podcast is like how can we i don't know there's something about this is like a little bit marketing to me too and like how can we uh expand our reach and work with more people and um spread the this message that we're spreading and joy and fun and all that Thank
3: you, Kaylee. I feel like all of that really resonated with what we're going through right now. So true. Is it? Yeah.
4: Yeah. Every other conversation, really, right now, there's a lot about that. Yeah. I mean, like,
3: we're uh, next episode is our season finale, and then we're going to be off for the holidays. So we have to start thinking about planning for next year. And Mm -hmm. we're always. You know, not to constantly plug this Patreon, but we're like always trying to think of like what can we do to like make our Patreon like the best possible and what are our goals for next year? And like we had a discussion like last week about like guests and like who's going to be a good fit for next season and what topics can we talk about? So we're always like in constant conversation about that kind of stuff. But like marketing is also okay. something I think Emily and I have both put off because it's like our day jobs. <laughs> so yeah, we're both sort exactly. Of like, oh, I don't want to burn burned it. out. The cobblers, yeah.
5: children have no shoes. Exactly. exactly. I mean, That's, when I was yeah. doing HR, it was like, "Oh, do I have health insurance?" <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, I hope that that was helpful and yes, you know, framing and moving the energy forward. Thank you so much, Kaylee. Yeah, um, thanks for having me.
4: We want to thank you for joining us. For you are sure. amazing. Um, before we end for today, we always love to ask. Ask our guests if you have anything to plug. Feel free to share. Let the people know what you're working on.
5: Um, The people should know that I'm working on (laughs) – I'm doing my own podcast called the Manic Pixie Dream Pod, which like we sort of explore the trope of Manic Pixie Dream Girl, but I am also just like taking the conversations wherever and having like intimate one-on-one conversations with um, women and femmes, and I'm sure we'll include some – uh, to masculine folks moving forward. Um, but I really just want to, uh, give, I just feel like, you know, if Joe Rogan gets to do it.
4: <laughs> yeah. And make a lot of money. Right? Make a
5: lot of money. Like I'm let's, let's have some lady focused conversations out here. Um, so yeah, that's the manic pixie dream pod at manic pixie dream pod on Instagram I, I think I have a Twitter for it but like honestly Twitter's dead so I'm like not even I'm just like cringy I'm like don't even go over there Um, and then what else should I tell you about that I'm doing that's pretty much what I'm focused on right now for the most part and auditioning for commercials which is uh always fun
4: well best of luck with, thank you. with those auditions thank and you. thank you again for joining us we really appreciated you being a part of our show
3: today Likewise. thank you Kaylee it was a dream oh. A manic one? Uh, hopefully not. A, yeah. <laughs> Probably just like a decent one, just like a chill dream. It's like it was like a vibey. Oh yeah, dream. very vibey.
5: I like that. Okay, thank you so much, Margot and Emily. Of uh, thank course. you.
4: And thank you everyone for continuing to listen to our pod. We really appreciate the support. Uh, As always, you can find us wherever you like to stream your podcasts. And if you're on a site that has a rating and review system, feel free to leave us a nice rating or review. We really appreciate that as it helps our pod get out there. Um, Additionally, we mentioned our Patreon earlier. If you love our content so much, you want more, 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 we have it for you, baby. Uh, Five bucks a month gets you two pieces of monthly content and for November and this month of December, we are giving you a bonus piece of content. So we just released our uh, This Has Oscar Buzz newsletter, which had, um, I wouldn't call it, I guess not a newsletter, but rather a predictions overview of what we are talking about, what we've seen, what we want to see, what we are anticipating, that kind of thing, and why we both won't be watching any of the Pinocchio adaptations (laughs) that have made their way to various streaming platforms. Platforms this year. Uh, but once again, um, if you're interested in joining that, you can go to patreon.com slash old millennials pod and join over there. Additionally, we are on social media. So if you're interested in following us on Facebook or Instagram, we are at the old millennials pod. And until next time we say bye-bye. Bye.